0: Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to thank you all personally for listening to the Car Stories podcast and making it as successful as it's been over the last year. I also encourage you to please share it with a friend, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Now, let's start the show. For the Peterson Automotive Museum, this is Car Stories. This is our very special Monterey Car Week edition episode of Car Stories. Right now I am joined with Chief Curator of the Peterson Automotive Museum, Leslie Kendall. As we are probably halfway to Monterey, we're in the cockpit of a 2016 BMW M4 convertible, which has not disappointed. Uh, It's the new M4, it's the twin-turbo V6, hardtop convertible, Uh, excitingly, Three pedals, six-speed manual transmission, still being made by BMW, and uh, in a funky, cool, great color blue. So we uh, appreciate the loan for the week and are excited to be doing a podcast from inside the car. Leslie, we've got an entire week ahead of us of concours and auctions and car shows. Uh, kind of give the listeners a brief
1: overview of what Pebble Beach is and uh, Monterey Car Week. Well, Pebble Beach started as a Concord Delagance in conjunction with the Pebble Beach Road Races way back in 1950, and it grew and grew and grew, and now it's a whole week of events that actually starts in the Northwest with a tour that people take off from uh, the uh, Washington area and come on down. They do a driving tour to get here. Starts off with uh, most people start off with uh, the Jet Center party on uh, Wednesday night on. Uh, Thursday, there's the Tour d'Elegance, and we've got our 1939 Bugatti, the uh, ex-Chavarin car that we're going to take in the Tour d'Elegance, the same car we're going to have on the lawn on Sunday. We're also having a couple of cars at, uh, a car at, at the Quail, our 1967 Ford GT40 Mark III, one of only seven road-going GT40s ever made.
0: Uh, we've got a very jam-packed week of Jet Center the Quail, Pebble Concorso Italiano, Uh, you've been coming up here for over 30 years, almost 30 years. Uh, What is your sort of single most favorite event or day of the week you look forward to the most?
1: I've been coming. This is my thirty-first year, believe it or not. But the event I look forward to most is the main event, Pebble Beach. There's always something surprising that never disappoints. No matter how many times you come here, you never get tired of seeing what's new. You never get tired of seeing what people find and restore and bring back to life, and and present. It's it's really exciting.
0: And in the last three decades, what's one year that just stood out as a shocker, as an upset? Uh, but maybe one of your favorite cars just. Something that's blown you away while uh, you've been up here at Pebble.
1: Well, I had to say, it's it's hard to say that my first year wasn't the one that was going to set the set the tone for everything else. It was 1985, and that was the year they had the six Bugatti Royales here for the first time, and the first time ever they were all together at once. It was just incredibly striking to come here and, and, and just to witness that. I felt like I was in the, really in the presence of greatness.
0: All right, well, great. We're going to continue to push this M4 to, legally, its limits, and uh, stay tuned because we're going to be at Jet Center, we'll be at the Quail, we'll be at the Historics, uh, Concorso, and on the Lawn at Pebble Beach. So keep listening and uh, enjoy the episode. We're at one of the very first events of Monterey Car Week. It is the Carmel Mission Classic, Uh, an absolute beautiful setting here to see a lot of cars on display. We're standing with one of the founders, Frank DiPaolo. Frank, tell us a little bit about the history of this show and where we're at.
2: Okay, well, greetings and welcome. The Carmel Mission is one of the iconic jewels of the Monterey Peninsula, 300 years old, and where Father Sarah, who's soon to be a saint, is buried. Uh, This is our third year. We started with the Knights of Columbus actually run this. 100% of the net proceeds go to charity. And we have a pretty eclectic mix of cars, from a 1914 Model T Speedster to a brand-new McLaren P1. So we kind of hit all the automotive gamut, from, from street rods to Italian sports cars to American muscle. Got it all.
0: And what made you want to decide to start this Mission Classic and start this car show?
2: You know what? The Holy Spirit infused me with a great uh, affinity for automobiles and a great affinity for my faith. So this was a great way to combine the faith with the enthusiasm of automobiles. We are serving wine and we have he's serving some margaritas, so we like to say we combine the faith with the palate as well as a gourmet uh, VIP uh, area.
0: And you guys do something that I don't think any other car show here does. You actually have someone, a father, bless the cars. What goes into the blessing of the cars?
2: Actually, the, the uh, the Blessing of the Cars is done by Bishop Richard Garcia, who's the bishop of the Diocese of Monterey. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty important. Uh, you know, cars are objects of ego and art, and here they're used to provide uh, finances and funding for some very, very charitable works like the restoration of the, miss, of the mission and some other charitable works, uh, funds, which really go to help, help people as well. Well,
0: we're going to go take a walk around and check out the cars. Thank you so much. We're standing here at Gordon McCall's Motorworks Revival with Keanu Reeves and his motorcycles. Uh, you have built some incredible bikes here. Tell us a little bit about the motorcycles.
3: Uh, thanks very much. Yeah, it's uh, the Arch Motorcycle Company, and the first model that we've produced is called the krgt one and um, it's kind of in the tradition of an American cruiser, we kind of like to call it a performance cruiser. Um, It's an S&S engine, it's 120 horsepower, 121 foot-pounds of torque, um, 30 degree rake and so the ambition was to make a production custom motorcycle that you ride. Um, So It's an agile motorcycle, it's a motorcycle that's comfortable cruising or getting on it in the curves, lots of torque. So really for an exceptional riding experience, you know.
0: And you uh are a big motorcycle enthusiast. You're, you've always been known to ride bikes. Where are you taking this out on the weekends when you're going for a ride?
3: Well, I take it out every day, so I'm really fortunate to be able to ride a motorcycle that I love and that I'm a part of, um, and part of creating. Uh, so for me, I live in Los Angeles, so it's Sunset, it's PCH, it's the Santa Monica Mountains, it's Angeles Crest Forest.
0: And these aren't cheap bikes, and I don't mean cheap, um, but they're very well-built craftsman bikes what sets this apart your motorcycles from a, a normal just off the shelf ducati or honda or kawasaki well i mean we make
3: over 200 parts um you know it's aircraft quality billet aluminum uh so there's custom design custom fit and finish um when the client you know if they get a motorcycle the, the motorcycle is kind of tailored to you kind of like a custom suit so all of the seating positions are custom. The seat will may be made custom for you in terms of the color designs um, that are chosen uh, that we work with you on. So it's really like a it's like a personal bespoke custom production motorcycle, um, and that also affords this great fit and finish, quality control, and and
0: exceptional craftsmanship. Well, thank you so much. You seem genuinely very proud to be looking at this bike right now
3: I love these things but I love these machines I love riding them um, I think the designer guard Hollinger and the team that's a part of putting these bikes together and, and designing them and making them is exceptional and so it's
0: it's been for me really a, a great great pleasure to be a part of well thank you great speaking with you thank you we're standing here with John Kraman from Meekum Auto Auctions a man I watch on television John, tell me about what Meekum has to offer at Monterey this year. This is a definite hybrid. This
4: is unlike any other event that Meekum does. You know, we have built our reputation, our foundation on muscle cars, Corvettes, hot rods, 50s cars, customs. But when it comes to the high-end European exotics, That's really, we haven't been known for that, but you know what, man? Everything changes in Monterey, especially this year. The most eclectic, the most valuable, the most exotic docket we've ever had, and we're hoping it's going to rock.
0: Is it hard for someone like Meekum or someone who's not known for the high in exotics to get into that market? I think it is I think let me tell you where I think it
4: began for Meekum, the turning point it so 's about three years ago we brought in about sixty high end Porsches, and it was just the time where everybody were beginning to feel maybe these cars were going to start to move, and we had the timing perfectly. We really set the stage for what 's now very well known as a hot vintage Porsche market, seven hundred cars for Meekum at Monterey over a hundred Porsches. We kind of invented that market and we 're really pushing it
0: now let me ask you this: you go on tour with Mecham, you do all the stops, at what point in your career do you go, I am out of cars to talk about, I am out of knowledge, there's only so many cars I know, I just want to go take a break.
4: All right, time for a little secret, time to kind of let you in a secret. The fact that the cars are on the auction block for such a low period of time, averaging about two minutes per car, car has to be ID'd, little bit of history of the car, the nuts and bolts of the car, cover some of the bidding actions. All that has to occur within two minutes. So the good news is I really don't have to have a lot of off-the-cuff knowledge about each individual car. Seem to make it work.
0: And has there been a car, in your experience with Mecum where you've gone, I want to bet on that. I want that to be my car. Well, the
4: average Mecum auction uh, televises, oh, probably somewhere around 300 cars. So it happens 300 times an auction.
0: I yeah. cars, man. I, I know. I, every t- every time I see a new car, I go, "That's got to be my car." Well, John, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thanks, man. See you later. We're here at Gordon McCall's Motorworks Revival with Ralph Deboss, who, at Monterey, if you want to stand out, it is very hard to do. You need something unique, and you've got a car unique. Tell us about that car. <laughs>
5: All right, so the Lycan Hypersport is making its first uh, USA appearance uh, today. At the first event at the McCall, uh, we're very happy to be in California. We have several events planned after that. So the Lycan is limited to only seven cars in the world, seven ever made. It's the most exclusive and limited car in the world. And it's been in Fast and Furious 7, which most of you have ever have seen recently. So it's been really, really getting international appraisal and a lot of fame recently. It has a flat six engine, 3.8 liter twin turbo, 780 horsepower, 1,000 torque, 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds and a maximum speed of 401 kilometers per hour. It's a very fast car. It has diamonds in the lights, full carbon fiber, concierge service, a luxury watch that comes with it, gold stitching interior, reverse door opening. It's an absolute marvel to see and I think it's standing out properly well in uh, McCall.
0: First of all, I've seen Vin Diesel lift up the front of this, so I'm well aware of the car. Why would somebody, first of all, why 7? And why would somebody get this Lycan over a LaFerrari or a Pagani or a McLaren, uh,
5: you know, or a Porsche 918 Spyder? It's completely different. Uh, So... The Lycan is not about performance, power, and speed. It's purely about lifestyle, luxury, and design. So when you're buying a car that's only limited to seven, you're not buying a car that's to been produced to 800 cars or 1,000 cars or 500 cars like the other brands that you just, you just named. So you're looking to be even more exclusive than these brands. So when you, got, you can get this car. You have all the services that you find in a luxury luxury lifestyle product, such as the concierge, such as luxury watches, such as the diamonds, such as things that you want to stand out to be different in lifestyle. This is the whole point of this car, to say that I am different. I'm not buying something just to be fast. I'm buying something to be different. That's it.
0: And, I mean, I'm thinking about maybe picking something up. It's going to be a 55 Bel Air from Meekum or something from Gooding. Or maybe a lichen. What what does one of these sevens retail
5: for? The retail price is three point four million US dollars per, per per unit. Six of them have already been sold. There's only one left and it's reserved from Miami, Florida, for our dealer in Miami. So if you were looking to get it, you should you should you should be quick. <laughs> Alright, well thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Pleasure. Thank you.
0: We are standing here at probably one of the funnest events in the entire Monterey Peninsula. It is the Concorde des Lemons. And what I find so neat about this is it's a complete counterpoint to the lawn of Pebble Beach and the quail. Yet you're still going to find some cars that are even more unique and even uh, might be more rare than the cars on the lawn of Pebble Beach. We're standing with owner Mike Harrell, who's got a pretty neat Is it a three-wheeler on uh, the trailer here? Tell us about it.
6: This is a 1981 HMV freeway. It was made by High Mileage Vehicles of uh, Minnesota. They made about 700 of them between 1979 and 1982. Uh, this one has the 12-horsepower Tecumseh engine in it. They also offered a 16-horse Tecumseh if you wanted a little more power. Uh, it's one of my regular rotation vehicles for daily driving around town. I, I do take it on the freeway. It'll do 60 on level ground. I had hoped to drive it down here from Seattle for the show, but the drive belt broke, and I lost about a day scrounging up a spare, so I ended up towing it here behind my 68 Saab.
0: Tell us more about this Saab, because the Saab itself can be a competitor at uh, Lemons, or are you also competi- uh, competing with it? Well,
6: when I showed up, they said, oh, well, just pull them both in, leave the freeway on the trailer, and we'll show it as is. Uh, the Saab is also my tow vehicle for my Lemons race car. I race a two-stroke Saab 96, so the same body, but with the um, three-cylinder two-stroke engine. This one has the German Ford V4. So it's just another daily driver.
0: Now, a big part of the judging process is the briberies. So what, uh, what are you going to be bribing the judges with to hopefully win today?
6: I had a little trouble thinking up a good bribe. I wanted something that was uh, uh, evocative of the appearance of the freeway and yet was something that I already had laying around the house. So I managed to find a, uh, a copy of the um, comic book version of Yellow Submarine.
0: All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you. We're standing here with Wild Bill Hill, who has a Nash Metropolitan that is dual purpose, and it seems pretty practical. Tell us about the back of your car here.
7: Oh, yeah, we have a little 15-foot flamethrower on the back. Uh, We usually cook hot dogs at the shows for the kids and stuff. It seems perfectly safe. Uh, What could go wrong? Well, considering my eyebrows almost
0: fell off when I walked by, uh, I can't imagine anything going wrong. What gave you the idea to make a hot dog cooker out of your Nash? Yeah,
7: you know, that's a really good question. I was doing uh, flame. I have another vehicle that shoots flames, and I was doing it with the exhaust. And you got to rev the motor, and it uh, makes so much noise, it kind of annoyed everybody. And it was also washing down my cylinders with gasoline because you pump a lot of raw gas and then ignite it. So I did this system that the engine doesn't even have to be running. And uh, we, we do have a motto. It's safety third. Um, you do have to watch the wind. Um, there was a, a couple of incidents where I lost my uh, beard and my eyebrow one day, but I didn't get burned. I didn't get burned. It, it, it looked pretty bad, though. All right. And now is it just hot dogs, or are you going to up or Are you
0: going to do some kielbasa later, maybe a, a filet?
7: Yeah, I'm thinking of a sausage. I would like to find a small bird, like a, a, a small chicken or something back there. Get a roasted chicken and put on one of those squabs. How would that work?
0: Uh, that sounds good. Well, enjoy your day, and I look forward to lunch.
7: Oh, yeah, this is the best show here. You know, the, the Concourse de Elegance is a little too hoity-toity for me, and I'm not going to pay $8 for a bottle of water. This this show, the Concourse de Le Mons, is the one.
0: All right, well, great talking to you. I have seen Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Porsches and Bentleys and Bugattis and McLarens sitting at lights on the street in traffic up here at Pebble Beach. But when I saw Robert's, I think I can call it a car, I was officially blown away. I have now seen it all. Please tell us about what you brought to the Concourse Day Lemons.
2: I brought my radio flyer wagon, just a little wagon, just drove in and brought it into the show this is
0: the second year and that gives it away you drove your radio flyer wagon and for anyone who can't see it we're gonna post photos on carstories.com it is 20 feet long a good 8 feet high what engine do you have powering this oh it's just a stock Chevy 350 and did you build this from the ground up
2: yes from the ground up
0: now I can't be the first person to ask you this question why To make people smile, and it works. It really does, because I got out of my car, and I got to tell you, it was early this morning. I drove 30 minutes to be here. I was a little groggy. I haven't eaten yet. The second I look up, I see your car. The first thing I did was smile and let out a big laugh. So thank you for being crazy enough to build something like your radio flyer.
2: Oh, it's been fantastic. Great
0: talking to you. Uh, Thank you. We're sitting here at the Rolex Monterey Historics Reunion with BMW president and uh, CEO of North America Ludwig Village who you are doing some racing today tell us about what you're racing
8: I am indeed I race the winning car of the 1975 12 hours of Sebring exactly that car won there and I have the honor and the fun to drive it uh, uh, this weekend Actually I've done it a
0: couple times before but uh, It really is a great car and uh, great fun. And what is going through your head when you're out there on the track, knowing not only is this an incredible race car, um, but it is a piece of history, and it is a piece of your company's history. Uh, Does that ever worry you at all when you're going down the straightaways?
8: Not so much on the straightaways, but as soon as I get to the first corner, it does worry me because there are some guys that uh, don't pay the right respect, and they get very close to me, so I need to back off, and... uh, Um, But I'll I'll still have a lot of fun, but you're absolutely right, I'm uh, driving a piece of car history and um, car uh, uh, part of BMW history, uh, so I I really want to take it easy on the car, which I do.
0: And you guys were nice enough to send me up here in a BMW M4 convertible uh, with a 6-speed manual. And that, I don't know if you can have a more fun way to get up to Monterey from Los Angeles. When you're driving these vintage cars, do you is there any sort of inspiration or is there any sort of epiphany you have that you want to put into the new cars that BMW is producing today?
8: Well, BMW means the ultimate driving machine, so every car that of course has changed over time, need to make fun driving. And that's our motto from 40 years ago, when we started, when we won the 12 Hours of Sebring and BMW North America became a reality to this very day, and we carry this to the future.
0: Well, I gotta tell you, I don't think there could have been a way to possibly have any more fun driving up here. Uh, so, good luck out there on the track. Thank you for the car, and uh, I look forward to seeing you race this historic uh, BMW. So, watch me at 3 o'clock. Okay, I'll see you there. We are standing here at the GT350 Ford Performance Tent with Henry Ford third Henry, growing up as a kid in the Ford family, did you ever think you would see Ford have this
9: performance racing enthusiast renaissance that they're having this year? Well, I guess I had sort of already always hoped we would, um, but, you know, I think to a lot of us it's not it's not too out of the ordinary because racing has always been a part of our DNA as a company, and, in fact, Henry Ford won a, a pretty monumental race back in 1901 against Alexander Winton, and the notoriety that he got from winning that race really Catapulted him uh, to the top of the auto industry and helped, really kind of helped him uh, with founding the Ford Motor Company. And ever since then, I think performance has really been a part of our DNA. But to your point, we're definitely in the middle, I think, of a renaissance. And we've got a a great stable of vehicles from ST and RS all the way up through Shelby GT350 and GT and Raptor. And uh, so it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting.
0: With every new performance car coming out, uh, you've got the 4 GT, like you said, with the RS, with the Raptor. Is there one particular one you're on the waiting list for where you go, once this is done, it's mine, this is my daily driver? <laughs>
9: uh, that's a good question. I, um, You know, for me personally, I don't – I never put my name on, on the list right away because I, wa- I want to make sure that our customers get these vehicles first. And, uh, you know, so once – once production ramps up and and we're a few years out then then maybe we'll we'll start thinking about that kind of stuff (laughs) and coming up you guys are going back to Le
0: Mans it's such an incredible story of your grandfather and the battle of Ferrari at Le Mans and what he went through and the stress and the uh, really the uncertainty of Ford's future if they didn't win is there a little bit of that coursing through your veins when you get ready to see the Fords go
9: back to Le Mans? Well, you know, we are really excited about about going back to Le Mans and, uh, and it was a big deal uh, 50 years ago and it'll be a big deal I think again next year. Um, but with the new GT, I think the advances that we've made in terms of aerodynamics and lightweight construction with carbon fiber and our EcoBoost powertrain um, you know, we are—we're just honored to be back there, and and uh, it'll be a great experience. It's a great—it's a great part of our company's history and tradition. Um, you know, this sort of really, really interesting David versus Goliath story of competition and Ford versus Ferrari, and I think it's a story that a lot of people can relate to, both both uh, auto enthusiasts and non-auto enthusiasts. And so we're we're excited to kind of write the next chapter of the story, and and uh, it'll be a lot of fun for sure. That's great to hear. And being here at the historic races and all these vintage race cars, is there a part of you that wishes you were behind the wheel doing some racing today? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, when I was a little kid, I used to tell my dad that I was going to be a race car driver when I grew up. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, I, I do have the chance to go out on the track every once in a while. And, uh, man, I don't, I don't think there's anything more fun than getting behind the wheel of, one of these cars and getting out on the track and seeing what it can do, so
0: yes, yeah. Well, uh, Henry, it was so great talking to you, thank you so much for your
9: time. You bet, absolutely, anytime.
0: Standing here in Mazda's paddock at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca with Jeremy Barnes.
9: Jeremy, what is it like being
0: at Laguna Seca and working for Mazda? I mean, this is got just feel like home for you, right?
10: Well, first off, it's actually Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, of course, because Laguna Seca is a lovely county park in which you will find the amazing Mazda Raceway, of course. Sorry about that. I'm a bit of a logo police around our office these days. Um, It's a pleasure. um, We're incredibly proud to be here. Uh, We have been a part of the community, a part of the Monterey Peninsula, a part of Mazda Raceway for going on 14 years now. I lie, 15 years now. 16 years now, actually, I think is the number. So to be able to be here with these incredible Mazda race cars, to represent Mazda North America at Mazda Raceway, at the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, it's about as good as it gets.
0: And you just drove, you got out of the RX-7 IMSA car, Tell us what that experience was like out there on the track. Uh, uh, In
10: a word, hot. Um, It's spectacular. Um, The car is a, uh, as you say, it's a 1991 IMSA GTO car. It's powered by a four-rotor 13J rotary engine. Makes about 610 horsepower. Um, Weighs about 2,100 pounds. Uh, 600 horsepower sounds like a bunch. It's actually one of the slowest cars in a straight line in the race group, as it was, quite frankly, back in 1991 when it won. Both the drivers and manufacturers championships. Uh, four Mazda with Pete Horsmer driving it. So the car makes all of its speed in mid-corner. It, it brakes incredibly well because it's very light. It's as much as four or five hundred pounds lighter than some of the other GTO cars. Um, in the day, you had a sliding scale from displacement to weight. So the, the bigger the engine, the heavier the car, in other words. And because the rotary engine is quite small, I mean, this thing is. 2,600 cc's, 2.6 liters essentially, getting 610 horsepower out of it. The car is very light. It's very nimble. It changes direction very, very well. So you carry a lot of mid-corner speed. By about the time I get about halfway down the streets, if I didn't get enough exit speed, pretty much everybody goes steaming by me on the way
0: into the next corner. That's great to hear. And it's so neat to see you guys taking these pieces of your heritage and your family and your collection out and doing what they're meant to do, which is hit the track. What DNA from these cars that you guys are driving here today do you feel is carrying over to the race cars you're making today and even the new cars like the new Miata that you're making today? Well, racing has always been in the company's blood is the
10: simplest way I could put it. I mean, you know, the sort of the marketing tagline is the best street cars make the best race cars. The best race cars make the best street cars. There's a reason that 60 plus percent of the cars racing in Sports Car Club of America amateur racing are Mazdas. It's because they make great race cars. Um, from these vehicles, obviously, we don't sell a rotary-powered vehicle any longer anywhere in the world. Um, we continue to develop the rotary engine in Japan. We've got a lot of engineers still working on the program. It's still a very key part of the company's heritage, the company's engineering DNA. Um, but for us, really, what the, the reason it's important for us to get these cars out is to remind people of the company's motorsport heritage. We have a racing heritage unlike any other Asian car company. Um, obviously, we're the only Japanese company to ever win the 24 Hours of Le Mans. We're incredibly proud of that fact, and we will continue to say that until another Asian company does it. Um, but the, what's so fun about being a part of this program is that we're here all day long. And people come up and say, oh my god, I remember watching that car at fill-in-the-blank racetrack, or I was at Le Mans in 91, I was there the year that you guys won. You could hear those cars from uh, two miles away. That's the magic of this event. It's the magic of being a part of these cars.
0: And for the young Jeremy Barnes that's sitting at home watching the new Mazdas race, who in 20, 30 years might be racing the vintage classes or here himself, what advice do you have for him?
10: Um, seat time. Don't stop driving. you got to get seat time. I'm very lucky in, in as much as I've been racing. Oh, my goodness. I got my license in 88 I was crewing for a friend on a Honda CRX showroom stock car many moons ago, and after a couple of years of crewing for him, he offered me his car for a driver's school. I went through school, got my license, and I started racing. Uh, I, I raced my street car initially. Um, you know, I didn't have the money to stay in a motel, slept in a tent. I, would, I was a corner worker, so I'd go to the national races where drivers had tire contracts. I'd take the tires they were throwing away. Probably raced for a couple of years before I even bought a tire. Um, I had the bug so badly, so the one thing I would say is race, race, race and also race a Mazda. We've got this amazing ladder program, this, this development program that we developed to bring young drivers up. You can start in a go-kart, you can end up in our Tudor prototype. Tristan Nunez, who races for us right now, did exactly that. Every step of the ladder. He has been on a Mazda contract, a scholarship to help him move, we don't pick a driver and follow them through their career we only help the work the guys that win the series so if you win a race series we'll give you a ride in the next series up because racing is expensive and we believe
0: it's important to us to help develop that next generation well expect an angry call from my girlfriend when i tell her i want to get into um, Mazda spec racing jeremy thank you so much it was great speaking with you absolutely my pleasure thanks for joining us here at uh, in monterey thank you We're standing here in Acura's pit with Acura Global Creative Director Dave Merrick. Dave, you guys have a car that, in my opinion, is one of the most impressive here. The new NSX. Tell us a little bit about it.
11: Well, I think, you know, it's been a long time coming, but uh, it's fantastic. It's, you know, the heritage of the NSX. We're here at Laguna Seca, the racetrack, and, you know, born from performance and and, um, just our heritage and and living up to that. So the car, the car is... uh, Equal to anything here. It's a supercar. It's um, you know it's upwards of 550 horsepower. So in a racetrack, you know, venue, it's like, ah, we can run with the big boys and and actually win. So I think, you know, when you see it, you're looking at it today, and it's 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 just fantastic. The lines on it are great. We have this interwoven style that that I think makes it unique among all the other cars. And, you know, just in this pit lane, when you look at, you know, we're, we're standing next to Jill DeFerren's car, we have Parker's car over here, and, and, it, and it's equal to the task with all of them. And do you think the long time coming
0: for the NSX uh, has helped it? Because I imagine you've been working on this project for a long time, and it's something, you know, me sort of as a, a Honda fanboy has been following since I think the NSX stopped in 05. Do you think being able to sort of take your time and let, the lines evolve. Um, how has that helped the design of the car?
11: Absolutely. It absolutely. I think that the biggest change was, you know, we were midstream and, and when you do a development on a car, you're, you're hit the ground running and you've got it ready and you're doing data sets and you've got it built and and then it was like, you know what? We ought to make this thing faster. We had to make it better. We ought to make it a true supercar. So essentially we just turned the motor from transverse to longitudinal. And added a couple of turbos, but literally that changed the whole dynamic of the car. So the styling, actually, we had to extend the wheelbase to fit the motor in that way, and I think it it lent itself to giving it a little more cab forward feel, and it ended up having this um, kind of uh, more alluring, more sexy rear body that we were able to do before it was a little tight. And I think that that you know what what the, the long time and the the nuance of uh, just maturing the the styling that it, it it definitely helps nobody wanted to delay it. It's like you know what, but everybody wanted to do it right, and that's that's what happened here it's It's literally uh, you know we're 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 the company that would would do that. We would put a transverse be very efficient and and the the best efficient supercar, and we didn't We said, you know what we're going to make this we're just going to change the motor make it cool
0: and we're here at the track, but it is a streetcar that you have on display. Will we be seeing this anisex racing
11: sometime in the future? Well, when I buy mine, I'm going to race it. So I, I guess that's, <laughs> yes. But, no, I, I think that there's always uh, looking at, you know, the Pirelli Series or whatever it is. You know, what, what do you what do you race in that? But I think at this point, you know, we're just happy to have the car the way it is and get it out there on the street so everybody can enjoy it and buy it. So. And when can people expect to see it out on the street? You can ask her. No, <laughs> um, You know, first of the year. All right. Well, Dave, always great talking to you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. You too. And hang in there with your elbow, dude. Thank you. Hey, yeah.
0: Well, the day has finally come. We are here on the lawn at the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. It is the Super Bowl mixed with the Oscars, mixed with just about any other high award you can get. We are standing here with Jay Leno, who... How many years have you been coming up here, Jay? I've been coming up here since the early 80s, I guess. So it's, it's, I've seen it change. It's gotten bigger and bigger every year. It's pretty crazy. And how... how uh, what keeps you making you come back? What what's the excitement that gets you coming up here at six uh, hours? Maybe
12: uh, maybe it's the cars and something. Huh? Uh, I mean, you get to see cars here that you only see in magazines. You know, the fascinating thing is you'll see a, an article in one of the European magazines about some rare car, and then you come here a couple months later, and boom, there it is. I mean, I have just walked in and said, "Oh, I remember reading about that just a couple of months ago." Plus, I always see a car I've never heard of here, and I kind of pride myself in sort of knowing a lot about these things. What I have never even heard of that? What car is that? They call it a Porsche, Jay. Oh, (laughs) it's Porsche. Oh, I'm sorry, a Porsche. A Porsche is what you have around your house, like off the back. That would be a Porsche. That would be a Porsche. What
0: have have you seen so far today that has caught your attention that you might not have known about?
12: Well, I'm a huge Duesenberg fan, so um, let's see. What did I see? I saw a car called, uh, I saw an Auburn out at the track that had a... uh, a very rare aircraft engine in it, 1916, World War One, and that really amazed me. I think it was the Auburn Savant or something like that.
0: Well, Jay, so much. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us. Great sure, speaking sure. with you. Thanks, you guys. We're standing here with classic car restorer and collector extraordinaire Wayne Carini. Wayne, you've got a Dupont here today, don't you?
1: Yeah, we just finished a Dupont uh, that's in the great Dupont class. I mean, it's wonderful to see all those cars together for probably the, the first time in a long time to have that many Duponts together. Uh, it's really spectacular.
0: And uh, I sort of followed the restoration online. You were posting the photos. What went into doing the full restoration?
1: Well, you know, we didn't fully restore the car. We just took it apart and painted it. Uh, it was one of those uh, four months ago, uh, the owner of the car said, geez, you know, uh, I was thinking about going to Pebble Beach, and I finally made the decision that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, we need to paint the car. So uh, we took it apart, painted it, did the interior, and it's here on the, on the lawn. And besides that car, is there anything that stuck out or struck your eye? Well, I'm here with my own car today, too. This is a 1921 Stutz Bearcat, a totally original car, so we're very excited to show that. All right, well, congratulations and good luck. Thank you very
13: much.
0: We're standing here with racing legend Bobby Rahal, whose car is going a little bit slower today on the lawn. Uh, tell us what you brought out to Pebble Beach.
13: I uh, brought uh, a 1965 Shelby GT350 Mustang. Uh, They have a nice little selection of them here it's the 50th anniversary of the car of that model so uh it's nice that um we've all been invited out here to this fabulous setting to uh to celebrate the car and
0: did you ever think in your racing career or in your lifetime you would see something like a shelby cobra or a shelby mustang gt350 on the lawn at pebble uh
13: frankly no (laughs) the cobras i think yes the mustang i i think it's uh you know, some people would say, well, that's not a very expensive car or a very fancy car or, or whatever, but uh, but it is really a part of Americana, American racing. It's an icon. And, of course, anything associated with Carroll Shelby is pretty iconic. And uh, and it was a very special car, too, uh, compared to the successor successor models. So, um, you know, it's nice to show people and talk to people about the car. So now that you brought your GT350 out and uh, you're here on the lawn of Pebble, has the bugs sort of
0: Biting you? do you want to come back next year do you want to keep doing this or you want to stick to racing
13: well i mean of course we have our racing teams and we're busy with that but uh, uh but this is a great event and um, yeah if we have something that they uh, uh you know would be interested in us showing we'd, we'd love to share it well thank you so much and
0: good luck on your uh, car today thank you We're standing here with Sam Mann, the owner of a gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous 37 Delahaye that is getting tons of attention here at Pebble Beach. Mr. Mann, tell us a little bit about your car.
14: Well, this car has a fascinating history. It started life, actually, as a Grand Prix race car. It's uh, one of three 12-cylinder cars that Delahaye built for Grand Prix racing prior to the war, actually 1937. In 37 and 38, it had about a dozen wins, its most notable being the Prix de Milion, the Million, the million-franc prize, uh, which was driven uh, by Rene Dreyfus, and uh, two or three other spectacular events. Also, right after, uh, in the late 30s, uh, that he won. At any rate, uh, in 30, early 39, the car was hidden away with war uh, it being imminent on the continent. The car was hidden away and in 1946 was sold to a gentleman who requested a roadster body be built on it. And uh, to to that end, he took it to Frenet, Marius Frenet, the Parisian coach builder, and built this roadster body. So uh, it's it's a a wolf in sheep's clothing, to be sure. Uh, It sure is. And tell us a little bit about how you came across it and the restoration that's gone into it. Well, we bought it about 17, 18 years ago from Blackhawk Don Williams, and the the race car chassis, which had been separated from the body some years before, we found a year later in in Europe. So we put them together this year finally, and um, uh, for a while I raced it when it was only a race car trim. I got a need to explain that briefly. It was the car was purchased and separated so the uh, the owner actually reconstructed the race car body put it on the race car chassis and took this and stored this body away and so uh, we reunited them and you're no stranger to the lawn here at Pebble Beach it looks like you're
0: you're about to be judged here pretty soon what goes through your mind when you're showing a car and the judges are looking at at your restoration terror <laughs> really <laughs> And what do you think your chances are today? Because I, I got to tell you, this car is getting some of the most positive feedback I've seen all
14: day. Well, it's flamboyant. People kind of like the novelty of these lines. Uh, there are some amazing cars here. Uh, I did a quick walk before, and there are at least six six other cars that make me shudder when I see them. But anyhow, they're magnificent. I'm happy to be in the company of such marvelous cars. And... and and also overjoyed at the fact that so many people are enjoying this car and understand the lines and appreciate the styling of it because I think it's it's one of the best cars that have ever been penned and uh, maybe a hundred cars that might be in this category. So,
0: Well, the best of luck to you. I think... Uh I think you got a great chance with a very beautiful car here. So good luck to you. You bet. Thank
6: you very much.